2: You're listening to Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio. For centuries, eyewitnesses have reported seeing giant creatures in the woods of North America and beyond. These forest giants have been known by many names, including Sasquatch, Oma, Yowie, Yeti, and their most commonly used name, Bigfoot. Join us as eyewitnesses share the details of their encounters with these forest giants on the show. And now your host, Vic Cundiff.
3: Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you've had a Bigfoot encounter of your own and would like to be a guest on the show, please go to BigfootEyewitness.com and submit a report. I'd love to hear from
0: you. Hi, Vic. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Kelly from Kentucky. I am over 50. I'm not going to say how much over 50 I am. Um, I'm an author, spiritual life coach, and I've been a paranormal investigator and demonologist for over 30 years. Haven't really delved into cryptids until recently. Um, And that was based on a sighting that I had uh, this past summer. I've always believed in the concept of cryptids uh, based on stories my mom told me. I grew up in West Virginia. And mom was big on, you know, she and her cousin would pile the kids in the car and take us on ghost rides. And then she would tell us the story of what she called the big white cat that she saw when she was growing up. Um, I now understand that's a cattywampus from good friends of mine uh, who explained what a cattywampus was. But she said this thing would run the hills um around her farm and scream like a woman. She said that it was scary. It was, you know, she was about six years old the first time she saw it. And it was standing up on its hind legs. It was bipedal. And it was standing there screaming at the edge of their yard up against their fence. Her brothers and her dad were they were of that generation where, you know, if you didn't go out and hunt your food, you didn't have meat on the table and they were all very good shots and they actually shot at it, but they didn't hit it. Um, She said that she remembered it was really, really tall, but the only reference she had was her dad was like six foot two. And she said it was bigger than her dad. She said another story she told me, and this one scared me to no end was that a friend of hers was asleep one night and she woke up to this thing, reaching through the window, pawing at her. So I grew up, you know, with the concept of of cryptids are real. of course, you know, the Patterson Gimlin film, which was, you know, one of those things that I saw as a child and fascinated me. But it was one of those things where I'm also, you know, a healthy skeptic person as well. And I'd never seen one. So, you know. The controversy of was it a guy in a suit? Was it a real film? Never really quite knew. Well, this summer I found out. I've been living on the property here in Kentucky for probably the past um ten years. And my husband and his family lived on this property pretty much all his life. And he and his dad are both, you know, outdoorsmen, they're hunters, they, they know this land like the back of their hands. And They've never had experiences like what we've been seeing. Um, Even his his parents are saying, yes, you know, that they're hearing things, they're noticing things, they're smelling things. And I'll get into all that here in just a little bit. And my husband did tell me one time after this all got started, he had an encounter when he was a teenager. And from the time he got up in the morning until the time the sun went down, he ran the woods on our farm and he was out way back up in one of the hollows and he was up on a ridge and he could look down and there was a rock outcropping overlooking a Creek. And there was an actual, this hairy creature was squatting on this rock and down the Creek, there was actually a deer trail that came down through there to the Creek. And it was watching the Creek and the deer trail. And he said it never noticed him. But he stood there for probably a good five minutes watching this thing. So at that point, I'm like, okay, well, maybe we do have Bigfoot on the property. And, you know, it was one of those, okay, cool story. But again, I haven't seen it. So I'm being healthy skeptic. One of the things that I deal with is, you know, I want to go out and actually investigate the property. I want to put up camera traps and I want to go look for footprints, but. I had to retire early because I'm, I'm actually disabled. So walking the hills is not an easy thing. I can go hiking and camping if the land is flat, but walking up and down hills, which our property is pretty much straight up and down here as most of Eastern Kentucky is. I just can't get up there to actually go look for the footprints or put up the game cams. And, and I've also heard that, you know, you never pick up anything on a game cam, but I still want to try. Um, but, you know, we've had things that sound like tree breaks. We've had, um, you know, heard whoops and and growls and a lot of different sounds in the woods. Um, I'm knowledgeable about what animals, you know, sounds like, like, you know, I know what a bear sounds like when it's chomping and, and chattering. And I know what a fox sounds like and the many vocalizations that foxes do. Um, we've even heard a bobcat on our property. But the sounds that we were hearing, they didn't sound like any recognizable animal. You know, obviously, animals probably can make noises that have not been recorded that I haven't heard. And, you know, I'll give it that. But when I had my sighting, I looked back and I went, oh, I bet that wasn't a fox. I bet that wasn't a bear or a coyote or whatever. So I'm going to get into my sighting. So. I was out back in May and I was burning some brush and it was after dark. My husband was over at his parents' house and we have dogs. Um, My father-in-law actually used to raise dogs and, you know, we have some dogs kind of left over from the days that he bred dogs. And these are mountain curs. So they're usually not afraid of anything, but they'll also bark at pretty much anything And they bark when deer come along or whatever. But all of a sudden they they started barking and they'd been barking a lot pretty much every night for about eight months before this incident actually occurred. Pretty much the same time, about nine o'clock in the evening. And then they would start in about three o'clock in the morning. Not normal deer travel times through that particular area. But again, still could be deer. But this one particular night, the dogs just went nuts i like, they were trying to get through their kennels to get at something. And I heard noises and I thought, oh, okay, here's a deer coming. And so I look over, you know, I had a really crappy flashlight, unfortunately, so I couldn't see really well, but there's a, one of the industrial desk lights in their yard. And I saw movement along the side of their house. And it was like something came to the edge of the house and all I could see at the time was a shadow. And it kind of stepped around the corner a little bit, and I realized that's not a person. Because at first I thought, oh my gosh, you know we've got a prowler, you know I need to run in and call the cops. And everything happened very quickly, but at the same time, it's it's like Tom stood still, and maybe it's just the way it's etched in my memory. I'm not sure, but it was like Tom stood still, but this thing came to the corner and it stepped around the corner. And then it was across the yard in probably two or three steps. Now that's, we're probably talking 20 yards. So in two or three steps, it was across the yard. I could see it clearly, but at the same time it was backlit. So all I could tell was it had dark hair and it was definitely hair. And then it crossed the road. And then there was this huge splash where it apparently jumped into the creek. Uh It was really, really strange, but I would say that again, that's my first time I've ever seen something like that. I don't think it was a dog man. It had a, you know, the cone shaped head. It looked like the classic Patty Sasquatch. So in my brain, I'm going, holy cow, that's a Sasquatch. So my husband comes out about that time and he crosses the yard and I'm still with my jaw pretty much on the ground because of what I'm pretty sure I just saw. And he comes over and I'm like, get a gun. And I don't advocate killing one. And I hate the fact that it's possible that the only way we'll ever prove that they exist is if somebody shoots one. Um, Because, you know, I don't think that You don't kill an animal unless you're going to eat it. Like, you know, if I go out and shoot a deer, it's because I'm going to eat a deer. I don't just shoot one just because I can. So there's my little PSA on that. But at the same time, you know, I'm sitting there and again, in my brain, I'm thinking, okay, this is a Sasquatch. And after listening to several of the different shows of the cryptid shows, part of my brain is going, what if it was a dog man? And so I'm like starting to try to figure out if I'm panicking or not. I'm generally not afraid of anything, you know, I'm I'm not afraid of the dark. Snakes creep me out, but beyond that, I just don't get scared. But at the same time, I was like, okay, if it was a dog man, definitely want a gun, although I don't know what a gun would do to a dogman. If it was a Sasquatch, don't want to shoot it, but what if it's a nasty sasquatch? <laughs> now the weird thing was is, you know, the feeling I got off of it, it didn't scare me. I was just trying not to be One of those people that do that oblivious thing of, oh, how cute. It's not going to hurt me. I didn't want to do that. So I wanted to make sure that if it was something that was vicious, then I was, you know, we were protecting ourselves because the fire was still too big to leave it because, you know, I was out there making sure, you know, with a water hose and equipment and stuff to make sure the fire didn't get out of hand. And I didn't want to just go back into the house and leave the fire because that would have been very irresponsible. Now, as far as like detail, as far as being able to say it looked more human or looked more ape-like, I know that's a question that gets asked. I don't know. It was backlit. It definitely was not a bear. Bears don't move like that. It had forward bent legs, which was why I was thinking Sasquatch, not dog man. And it wasn't real big. My husband's about six one, six two, somewhere in that vicinity. And this thing didn't look a whole lot bigger than him. So I made the assumption, and again, jumping to assumptions, that it was possibly a juvenile, which again, also from research that I've done since, I don't know that the juveniles are quite as aggressive as some of the older males or the older adults, you know, if they're protecting their clan or their children or or whatever, but it didn't feel threatened. So I was Fascinated with this. And I told my husband, and he immediately believed me, and we sat out there, you know, for probably another half hour. We didn't hear any more noises. There were no more smells. There was nothing else that happened that particular evening. So then we get talking about it and we start thinking, Okay, back to the whoops and the grunts and the different noises that we'd been hearing, could that have been a Sasquatch? Again, not every bump in the night is going to be something, you know, sometimes it's a tree limb hitting the house. Sometimes, you know, it's a bug. I don't know. But there have been slaps on the side of the house. There have been, uh, again, hoops or whoops, however you say that, grunts, whistles, knocking sounds, the sounds of trees being broken, trees being knocked over and completely uprooted on our farm, which make no sense. These are young, healthy trees. And, you know, my father-in-law goes up to feed his dogs and they're uprooted with fresh dirt. And he's like, why did this tree fall? He doesn't believe in Sasquatch and laughs at us when we say it's our Sasquatch. The other thing, too, that um, we've had happen is where my husband works. I go hang out with him when he works. He owns his own business. And when we come home, it's usually anywhere from 9 p.m. to 1 or 2 in the morning. and. Shortly after I saw the the Sasquatch, we would get home. And when we'd get out of the car, there would be one single tree knock, just boom. And that was it. And it was really strange because if it was after dark and we went to the car, there would be one single tree knock. And this would happen in times when acorns weren't falling or... Hickory nuts or whatever, not like a hickory nut falling. there was no wind, there was no storm going on. It was just a very loud crack like somebody had hit a baseball. Okay, going back, I'm trying to think of all the various things that have been going on. Um, up at the dog kennel lot, one day my father-in-law went up to feed the dogs and one of the kennels, the sides of the kennel, had actually been pushed in and bent out of shape like something had tried to get in to the dogs we've not seen bear sign in this area for a couple years we did have a sow that was in this area we got pictures of it just literally over the hill from our house the boys saw you know bear scat in the woods you know claw marks things of that nature but unfortunately that bear was killed by one of our neighbors because it had attacked one of his dogs But this happened two years after that bear was killed, and we've not seen any other bear sign. So could the kennel have been a bear? Yes, it could have. But again, without empirical evidence that we've actually got a bear in our woods and this happening in conjunction with, you know, the Sasquatch sighting, what I believe was the Sasquatch sighting. Let me qualify that. And some of the other signs that appear to be Sasquatch related, that it's possible that it was not a bear that was trying to get after the dogs. There was one night that I was sitting in the living room and just right outside the window, we don't have central air. We have the window air conditioners. And so when sound happens, you can hear through the, the window air conditioner. Um And it sounded like two men having a muffled conversation right behind the house, right at that window. Unfortunately, the back porch light was completely dead at that time. So I, I went and switched on the porch light and it didn't come on. So I couldn't see if there was anything there. And then a couple of days later, I was going out to the car to basically just retrieve something out of the car I'd forgotten to get. It was about 11 o'clock at night. And I heard what sounded like what they describe as the samurai chatter. It was... That was a really, really bad... You know, attempt at the Samurai chatter, but it sounded like something was trying to talk. Now we have nicknamed our Sasquatch Dak, and we actually have heard that vocalization in the woods. There was one time, actually not one time, but multiple times we've gone again out at night and we'll hear the tree knock, and then we'll hear Dak like that, so we call him Dak. Again, I don't know if that's really a name or if that's just a vocalization, but I thought it was cute. We do get a skunk smell once in a while. It's that skunk wet dog kind of putrid smell. If the tree knock happens, we don't get the smell. If there's no tree knock, then sometimes we'll get the smell. It, We've had the smell probably a dozen times over the past several months, but the tree knocks are consistent. They usually happen for a two-week period straight. And then there'll be two weeks where there'll be nothing. And then it'll start again, two weeks of straight tree knocks every night and then nothing for two weeks. A lot of just weird things and definitely want your thoughts on this, Vic, and other people's thoughts on this very much appreciated because at this point with this particular Sasquatch, I'm not afraid of him. If he wants to live on our farm, that's great. I'm not into habituation, so I'm not like taking him food or anything like that. He's in his area. We're at home. It's all good. We can cohabitate. Let's see what else. Oh, gosh. I know that there's a ton of things. Oh, so the week after my sighting, we did get an eye shine in the driveway, and it looked taller than our car. Now We have a a Cadillac Escalade, and this thing was taller than our, our truck. And there was very, very distinct eyeshine. It was kind of an amber color. It probably lasted only about 10 seconds. And from what I saw that night, unless I completely, completely misjudged his size, it didn't look like the same Sasquatch. But I couldn't see any hair color or anything. Um, I was just using one of those little cheap headlamps that you can buy. To It wasn't powerful enough to actually see much. It was just you know, dark and tall and amber eyeshine. That was very interesting. And that wasn't the only time we saw the eyeshine. We've heard bipedal walking in the woods, just up the hill from our driveway. We've heard, you know, again, the grunts. There was one night we had the skunk smell really, really bad. And there was grunts and whistles in the woods. And the next morning, all of our lawn chairs and our yard were completely turned over. My in-laws have said that their lawn chairs have been turned over, watering cans have been thrown into the flowers, flowers have been dug up, and this all coincides when the dogs go nuts and start barking a lot, we'll get up the next morning and we'll find this stuff going on. Now, a scary part was one night, my mother-in-law said that something was actually rattling her door handle, like it was trying to get in they have a storm door and whatever it was had opened the storm door and then was rattling the actual handle itself on the steel door. So that was extremely creepy. So another question I have is, I don't know if it's a situation where once you see one, you notice others or if somehow you become a squatch magnet. So we were at a friend's house and we were doing just an impromptu class on identifying herbs in the wild edible herbs and things of that nature. And we walked to the backside of her property and there were 10 to 12 large footprints in the grass.
7: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: And there was one that was actually in mud. There wasn't a whole lot of grass or leaves or anything on it. And it was extremely clear. And we actually did a plaster cast of that. It was over 14 inches long. And when we actually looked at the plaster cast, it was degraded to the point. And again, I don't have a microscope or fancy equipment to see if there were true dermal ridges or not. But there were hairs actually in the plaster, kind of golden colored hairs in the plaster. She doesn't have a dog and there's not a whole lot of dogs that actually run the neighborhood over there. Could it have been dog hair? Yes, I understand it could have been. I didn't send it off to get analyzed. I just put it in a shadow box because it looked really cool. But she actually reported that she has a, a bamboo patch along the creek of her yard And she was out in her front yard one day and something threw a very large piece of bamboo at her. And she's heard grunts and and whistles and tree knocks and things of that nature there. So it was interesting because these friends of ours actually went camping with us in June and we went to a local state park. I'm not going to give the name because I don't want that to be an issue with the park. The first night there were actually these weird hooting sounds about 4 a.m., And it sounded like an owl hooting, but it didn't sound like an owl. It sounded like somebody trying to mimic an owl hooting, but it was really, really deep. Like if you had a 600-pound owl, it would be making that sound. And about 5 o'clock in the morning, one of the guys that was camping with us decided to go over to the creek and um, have a moment. And he actually saw a tall silhouette standing behind a tree across a dirt road from him and he doubted what he saw at first. And then he saw an arm move like an arm raise up. He said it was as big as a tree branch. So he immediately just ran back to his tent. He did not stick around to see what it was. So the next day we actually went over to that campsite that was, you know, nobody was staying in and we found multiple footprints. Of course, none of us had our phone with us to actually take pictures But the neatest thing, well, I did take one picture of one, but then my phone died. But the neatest thing was that there was a large footprint, I would say probably 14 to 16 inches long. And then there was a baby footprint inside of that. But it didn't look like a normal human foot, you know, where, you know, basically the arch normally doesn't form. You know, this was very flat, but it looked like it was maybe, I would say, six inches. But it had stepped right where the adult had stepped. And I thought that was really, really fascinating. We also found an interesting tree break. Now, this tree was not broken. This tree was bent and twisted when we found this. And I've seen a lot of tree breaks. I've never seen one that was actually twisted over. And I can't imagine anybody having the ability to twist it over. I couldn't go up on the hill with the rest of them, but there were five or six of my group that actually went up on the hill and there was an identical tree break up the hill on the same path. Now we had a new puppy. Now, mind you, this puppy was a 75 pound Mastiff, but he was still a new puppy. He was a pound rescue and he was with us that day. And I started to go up the path you know, I thought, okay, I'm just going to walk this hill. If it makes me sore, it makes me sore. I wanted to go on up and see footprints, tree breaks, anything like that. He started whining and pushing against me so hard and trying to fend me off that path. He did not want me going up there. And he barked at the people that did go up there. He was very upset that people went up there. So, We all went back to camp and we talked about it. It was really cool, and you know, hey, you know, were those Sasquatch prints? Were they not Sasquatch prints? What do you think they were? And we had a big discussion, and then we like, okay, well, let's eat lunch and play some cornhole. (laughs) You know, again, my group of friends—they're not afraid of much either. So we were basically playing cornhole, and this one girl apparently was a ringer because she was kicking everybody's butts in the cornhole game, and all of a sudden she grabs her head. And I thought, you know, she was fainting. I thought she was going down. And I mean, it scared the crap out of us. We were going, okay, do we need to take her to a hospital? What's going on? And then she kind of looked up and she was like, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. It just sounded like something was screaming in my head. So she started playing cornhole again. At that point, she couldn't hit the cornhole to save her life. I mean, it was like she could not function. Her motor skills weren't working. So she finally looked and she goes, okay, I got to go sit down. I'm really, really sick. You know, so we're thinking, oh, my God, it's a stroke, whatever. You know, is she having a heart attack? Is she having a stroke? Is it a migraine? We were really scared for her. We asked her if she wanted to go to the hospital. She was like, no, I just need to sit down. So she did. So we all came back over to camp and, and we're sitting with her. Well, my husband, he and I honor our Native American ancestry. So he went over to the other campground basically to make a tobacco offering and we didn't know where he'd gone at the time. You know, he didn't tell me he was going. He just went and did it. And all of a sudden she's sitting there and she grabs the back of her head. The back, her back was actually facing where he was. She grabs the back of her head and she goes, what is that? Oh my gosh. It feels like something's trying to pound through my head. What is that screaming? So she takes and she turns her chair to the side um, cause you know, I was like, let me, let me look at your eyes. Let me see, you know, if your pupils are dilating, I've got enough first aid experience to, to be able to understand the signs of a stroke. I wanted to make sure she was okay. She was absolutely fine. You know, pupillary responses were great. And then she grabs the side of her head that was facing that same direction. She's like, oh, it feels like a still spike. So at that point, you know, when we got back from the camping trip, I started listening um and researching and I found the concept of infrasound and so she and I talked about that and she had actually had an experience with an infrasound situation before and she said she kept a constant headache it was something to do with power lines or something over her house and she constantly kept a headache and she was like yeah that's kind of what it felt like it kind of felt like when I was living under the power lines so Again, I know that, you know, the infrasound is, you know, a debated theory, but I wanted to mention that because again, it was really, really scary. We thought she was having a stroke, but then once we got out of camp, she was absolutely 100, you know, she was fine. She and I ran to the store. She was fine. We came back to camp. She was sick. So it kind of made me wonder if there was a connection there. Now, again, going back to my, my puppy, my 75 pound mastiff puppy, he was throwing a fit because James was over in this other campground. He was whining and barking. And when James came back, he was fine. And he's not an overly barky dog. He doesn't whine a whole lot, but he did not want James over there, or at least that was the impression that I got. So after about 20 minutes or so, after all of that had gone on, or you know, after she and I got back to camp and, and everybody was settling in for dinner, we heard a tree fall. And it was a big tree. So it could have been random, but we hadn't had rain for over a week. So the ground shouldn't have been loose. The tree shouldn't, unless it was just dead, it shouldn't have fallen. Again, another coincidence to throw into the story. I don't know if it's relevant or not, but it is definitely coincidental. So after we get home, my husband tells me another story about our puppy. He had taken him over to the other campground just to walk him and stuff. And, you know, the puppy basically had his nose to the path the entire time and they were walking along and all of a sudden the dog just jumped straight up and jumped behind him and whimpered and got all the way to the ground and was just whining and crying like something had hit him. And so James immediately, of course, brought him back, but, you know, he didn't know what had happened to the dog. He checked his paws. There was nothing there, you know. There, there. He said he didn't see any wasps or anything that he could have run into. There were no snakes or anything. He doesn't know why the dog reacted. Again, another part of the story, coincidence, possibly, but I wanted to share that as a possible relevance to the story. So the next thing that happened was a not so good Sasquatch encounter. The place where we camped is about 12 miles away from where we live. And when you travel, you go maybe 30, 35. It's all back roads, twisty, windy. And it made me wonder if a Sasquatch could track you.
5: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
6: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void
0: were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It actually made me afraid if a Sasquatch could track you. Again, my first encounter was really good. The camping experience was really weird. And then what happened afterward was terrifying. So it was about a week after we got home was the first time we saw something. And my husband had gone outside to walk the dog. It was about 1130 at night. And he said there was probably a creature in our driveway that was like nine, maybe 10 foot tall. He said it was a black gray kind of mix. Um, he said it was very ape-like. He got an actually really good look at it. And he said this thing just felt like it wanted to tear him apart. My husband is always armed when he goes outside, but he's sitting there going, you know, he was carrying a a 38. He goes, I don't think it could have done anything to it. So he hurried the dog up, got back inside as quick as possible. Even though if this thing wanted to get in the house as big as it was, it would have been able to get in the house. So then the next night I took the dog out and the dog was shaking like crazy. Now a Mastiff is a gentle giant, but they usually are happy-go-lucky, and they're they're not really a scaredy-cat kind of dog. But he was shaking and whining and whimpering, and he pulled me, basically, he would not potty outside, and he pulled me back toward the house. When he's on his lead, because he's a huge dog and I'm a tiny person, he does wear a, a pinch collar to make sure that he doesn't jerk me real hard because it could actually hurt me with my disability. Um, I don't like pinch collars, but unfortunately it's just something we, we have to use with him. And he was actually pulling against the pinch collar and I know it was hurting him trying to get me to go back in the house. And about that time we were almost back to the house, we heard this sound and the dog started barking and our puppy basically hit the ground and just started shaking and whimpering. He was drooling and I, I, they had to coax him back into the house. It was almost like he was going into a seizure. It scared him so bad. Now my husband was telling you know our in laws about this. They have about a sixty pound mountain cur. Mountain curs are bred to fight bear, and mountain curs are not afraid of anything. And their mountain cur will not. And for the longest time, it's it's since corrected, but it would not go outside to use the bathroom. It literally, they'd open the door for the dog to go out because they've got a little pinned-in yard in the back. The dog would not go out. It would just stand in the floor and shake and pee in the floor. So whatever was out there scared a mountain curb. And again, they're not afraid of bears. They're bred to, to, to hunt bears. This thing was afraid of whatever was out there. Now, the following week, I had another sighting, and I was headed to the store, and this actually was in the daytime. And I looked up the hill and there was something dark that was kind of peering behind a tree and I saw it blink. Now, this thing looked very ape-like. It was dark brown fur. I couldn't tell because I was looking uphill how tall this thing was and I couldn't get up the hill to actually try to get a measurement, but it was very tall. But it, you know, it just kind of blinked and then it was gone. And I don't know if it ducked behind the tree and I don't know if I blinked and it took off because they're very fast. It definitely was not the one that was threatening. This felt like it was the one we nicknamed Dak because it just seemed very curious and kind of like, you know, Hey, how you doing? So again, it didn't scare me. Then we had Sasquatch number three, and this was definitely beyond any of them that I've seen beyond the ones we've seen in the dark, beyond anything, definitely a Sasquatch. So we were traveling home and this was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And there was a rust colored one standing in a field cone shaped head You know, gorilla like face. The weeds in that field are probably, if my husband walked into that field being six foot tall, I'd lose him in the weeds. They're that tall. This thing was head and shoulders above the weeds. Bright, bright rust red. If from where it was standing, if it walked up the hill and over the hill, it would have been at our house. So this thing was extremely close and huge. I could only see again the shoulders up to the top of the head. It didn't turn around, you know, and look, but I could see the profile and you could see the gorilla kind of face. I'm actually using my hands to talk as if you could see me. You could see the gorilla like face that it had. The shoulders were very broad, very wide. The hair long, but not like super long. It didn't, you know, have the Fabio mane or anything like that. But, you know, the the hair looked like it was nice and shaggy. And I don't know. It was just. I she just seemed pretty. And I don't know why I call her a she. I just feel like she was a she part of that weird making assumptions in my head thing, but she was just very pretty. That was the only time that we remember seeing her or we have seen her. Or we've known that we've seen her. So after all this has been going on, we put up a lot of motion sensor lights around the house and the motion sensor lights started tripping almost nightly, but we didn't see anything for quite a while. And then the first part of August, my husband saw a reddish brown one. He wasn't sure if it was the same one we had seen out in the field, but it was about 20 to 25 yards away from where he was standing. And again, it could have been the same one. We're not sure. We've nicknamed her Red. Again, making the assumption she's a female. Now, another thing too is I deal with a lot of insomnia because of my medical condition. So I I stay up a lot during the night. There's times that I'll go three or four nights without, you know, sleeping more than a couple hours. And there was this really weird scream that sounded like it was, you know, within, I don't know, me throwing a rock distance from our house, which, you know, I'm an old lady. I can't throw very far. And it sounded like a woman screaming. It definitely wasn't a bobcat. I've never heard a fox vocalization that sounded like it. This sounded like a woman screaming for her life. Um, It was just one single scream, but the scream kind of started really loud and then ended into kind of almost like a whistle sound. It was a really strange noise. I'll leave that for your judgment. If that was a Sasquatch or not, I want to think that it is, but again, everything that I've talked about so far, you know, it's my interpretation of what I've seen of what I've heard and I could be wrong, but the one that seemed like it followed us from the campground That one was terrifying and it hung around for probably a good month and we would hear it and see it and feel it. And the smell off that one, the one from the campground, not Dak one from the campground, the smell off that thing was the grossest smell I've ever smelled in my entire life. I mean, it was beyond wet dog skunk smell. It was like raw garbage, nasty. Like this thing didn't bathe ever. It was just beyond gross. Now, again, as a mom, if somebody was like trespassing and I was protecting my children, I'd probably want to go scare them off too. Again, that's another assumption. No idea if that's any type of connection. And I don't know if it's the one from the campground, but not wanting to sound a little weird, the fear factor was the same. So, you know, the energy or whatever, the it scared me as much as as the one at the campground scared me, so I don't know it was at least the same aggression level, it was at least the same you know my perception of a danger level with that one, but that one really was terrifying, and that was when we actually had more slaps to the house, we had more um a lot more you know grunting and more aggressive sounds that we could hear in the woods, and during that time, it was weird because. The one that we nicknamed Dyke, we didn't hear him or see him or anything during this time. It was very strange. You know, I saw that one sighting of him blinking, but I'm probably confusing my dates and that may have happened before the camping trip instead of, you know, a week after the camping trip. It's hard to kind of keep it all straight in my mind. I just, I remember the moments. I don't always remember the dates. So another one that was interesting was, end of August, I was working on my truck. I was replacing the speedometer console panel, whatever that thing is. I can do the work. I just don't always know the language for it. And I heard something hit the top of the truck. And I looked up the hill and I didn't see anything. And I heard something hit the top of the truck again. And then I saw a rock land in front of the truck. So something was throwing rocks at me. So I go in and I'm telling my husband, I'm like, okay, hey. Something throwing rocks at me. And he goes, yeah, I've heard that all morning. Something's been throwing rocks and hitting our our outbuilding. So he just takes it in stride like it's no big deal. And I'm like, okay, we've got one throwing rocks at us. This is getting intimidating at this point. And then the very next night, my husband saw another Sasquatch, which number four, number five, I'm not sure. We were grilling out and we, you know, have a metal thing and a little hibachi grill on the table or on the porch And our porch is about 8 feet off the ground. And this thing was looking over the bottom of the porch at the food. As
4: humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
7: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: Now we had the door open and James was sitting inside, you know, so that he could watch the grill. And this thing was looking at him or looked at him and then just took off. But this thing literally was looking over the edge of the porch. It was like th- four or five feet from my front door. And I was like, holy cow, let's not grill out anymore. (laughs) He's like, no, we're going to grill out. It's okay. I just think he was hungry. And I'm like, oh, oh, honey, no, 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 no. They're getting too close. We've got to do something. And so if anybody's got any ideas about what to do, that would be great, too. I'm more than happy for any consultation. So then everything just kind of died down for quite a while. We'd hear rocks every now and then or it was like October before things actually picked up again. And so I heard something that was bipedal walking through the woods and I looked up and I saw something. And this was in the daytime. I saw like a black furry something up on the hill. Okay. Bear Sasquatch, not sure. And then I saw it blink and I was like, that's definitely a Sasquatch. And I had to go to the store. I was actually under a time constraint, so I couldn't do anything about it. So I ran to the store. And when I came back from the store, there was nothing there but just green leaves. So whatever that was, um, whether it was the one we call Dak or whether it was something else, could have been a bear. I, you know, in my opinion, it looked like a Sasquatch. So it was a Sasquatch. Okay. So even though, you know, I've had some great experiences with Sasquatch, And some very scary experiences. I wanted to save the most terrifying experience for the last, Vic. And this was October 20th. So, of course, you know, everybody's in their Halloween spirit and the whole nine yards. And I'm watching the scary movies. And that was probably a really bad idea. So it was about 9.30 p.m. And, of course, Puppy had to go back out. And he got outside and started shaking. He was sniffing the air like he was winding something. Um, You know, normally his nose is directly on the ground, but this time it was up in the air. And about that time, this smell hit me that was just the worst smell ever. I, I don't even think it compared to the smell from the one I believed came from the campground. And it was like old garbage, old sewage, just rolled into one. There was no wet dog. There was no skunk. This thing smelled like rotting meat. It was so nasty. And again, I was out there with just my headlamp. I really got by a more powerful flashlight. And we'd had rain for several days. And so none of our solar lights were coming on. The batteries were dead. And our one motion sensor that works on batteries, I'm going to get a friend of mine to come wire in some motion sensor lights for me so that we don't have that problem unless the electric's off. We're good. But instead of trying to drag me back up on the porch, he went under the porch and just cowered. And again, at this point, you know, it's been several months. He's like 80, 85 pounds now. He's a big dog, but he was absolutely scared to death. And I heard this noise, kind of a rustle, kind of a, like our driveway is graveled. And it sounded like somebody was shuffling through the gravel on the driveway. And it was about where my my truck is parked. And then about that time, the dog, you know, when he heard that noise, he came out from under the porch. He shot toward the the ramp that goes up the porch and he just starts dragging me up the porch. I literally almost fell down. He was pulling so hard and he is whining and crying like crazy. And so I heard another noise behind me and I turned around and about this time I saw this thing and it, you know, i when you're scared, you don't always make the best judgments on how big this thing was. But if this thing was nine foot tall, it wouldn't have shocked me. This thing's running straight at me. I mean, straight at me and it's not making any noise. I can't hear its footfalls. I can't hear anything, just this horrible smell. And it's running straight at me. The dog's pulling at me. And all I saw was just solid black fur or hair or whatever. And when I hit it with the light, even as weak as the light was, I had this bright amber shine, and then it just shot in between my car and our outbuilding, and I heard it run up the hill. I got inside. Literally, I'm having chest pains. I am having an anxiety attack. I am like, I got to have some whiskey or something. I am about ready to have a complete and utter come apart. This thing literally ran at me, and I would say it got within maybe 15, 20 feet of where I was standing, you know, with my puppy pulling me. And if he hadn't pulled me up the porch, I don't know what would have happened. And, you know, I know it was probably just a bluff charge with the way it you know turned and and ran off when I I hit it with the light. But at the same time, I don't ever, ever, ever want to go through that again. That was enough for me. My husband's doing the whole, hey, let's get into cryptid research. Let's go hunting for these things. I'm like, oh, no. I think it probably took me about an hour to calm down once I was back in the house. And the dog would not go out for the rest of the night. He literally went several hours before he would actually go back out. He waited until the sun came up before he would even go back outside to use the bathroom again. And he actually wouldn't go out with me. He'd only go out with my husband that next morning. It was really weird. So for the past two months, everything again has just kind of died down. We hear the occasional grunt, the knock. We hear rocks being thrown, hoops. We came home one day and there was a tree limb in our yard. This was probably one of the most notable things that has happened recently. So it was too big to drive over and our driveway wasn't wide enough to go around it. So my husband got out and he tried to pull the limb. The limb wouldn't pull across the driveway. So, you know, he, he's a big guy. So, you know, he starts breaking the limb apart. It was Greenwood. It wasn't a dead limb, like, you know, something you would expect to fall out of a tree. And so he, he made the first crack and then we heard, And then he made the next crack and we heard, "Ah!" and he grabs the limbs and chucks them over the hill real quick and gets back in the car and he just, he goes, go, get to the house now. (laughs) And I think that one unnerved him a little bit. So when we get to the house, there is a tree laying on our house and it's a big tree. It was probably 12 to 16 inches around and roots and all just completely fallen over on our house. There was no damage to our house. At all. Not a scrape, not a scratch, not a dent, not a shingle missing, nothing to our house. Like this thing had been laid there very gently. And it was really weird because where the tree fell it wasn't where the tree was, which was really odd. It was a few feet down. Like it had been picked up and moved over and laid on the back of our house. It was really strange. Then again, last week, We've heard the the whistling noise, and then we heard this really weird it was like a yow sound, kind of like you know the way they describe the Yahoos making noise in West Virginia, but it was like this yow and then it turned into a whistle, and it wasn't like the scream that turned into a whistle you know that sounded very terrifying. This was more like a hello whistle kind of thing, and i I can't do justice to how exactly that sounded, but it almost sounded kind of like a yodel, but you know, that was kind of the, I guess, you know, the most that's happened. I haven't had a whole lot since the first of December. So those are my experiences, the good, the bad, and the holy cow. It's terrifying.
3: You mentioned seeing Dak and the vicious one hanging around your home. Have you ever seen those two interact?
0: No. Again, there was the, The one night it sounded like, you know, two men with muffled voices behind the house. And then the one night I heard samurai chatter, but I couldn't tell if that was one or two. But when the really vicious one showed up, we didn't see anything or hear anything from Dak. I mean, you know, again, you know, we had the the single tree knock when we would come home, the hoots. From the one we called Dak, we never felt like we got any growls from him. You know, they were more like grunts and whoops and, and whistles and things of that nature,
3: It sounds like Dax a really nice Sasquatch. I hope if they do interact, I hope they get along.
0: Well, in my imagination, and I'll qualify definitely my imagination, Red, who was the big Red one we saw, is Dax's mom, and she probably came and and whipped the butt of the one that came from the campground. But that's just my imagination. I am a writer, so I write these scenarios in my head. They don't make sense, but there they are.
3: (laughs) Well, you never know. That might have happened. You also mentioned that the vicious one followed you home. How do you think Sasquatch do that?
0: I don't know. Um, I know that there's a lot of theories about them being, you know, ethereal creatures and aliens and and different things of that nature. But with any type of, of primate, you know, they have a highly evolved sense of smell and it's possible they smell, you know, or scent. It's possible as slow as we had to drive, the thing just followed us home. Oh, my God, I totally forgot about that one.
7: 18 plus.
0: I totally forgot. There was another Squatch sighting. I totally forgot to tell you. Do we have (laughs) time?
3: We sure do. Please, by all means.
0: Okay. So middle of the day, about noon, we were headed to work and I looked up the hill. You know, I'm always looking at my surroundings and stuff and it's a road I'm very familiar with. And there were no other cars behind me, in front of me, coming at me. It's a little one lane road. So I looked up the hill, you know, looking for deer because I love to see the deer in the fall. Is we do have a really big monster buck around here. He's at least 12 points. He's absolutely stunning. So I'm looking, you know, seeing if I could see this big buck. And there's a bipedal black figure standing beside a tree. And so I looked back at the road, you know, because it was just a quick glance, you know, and I looked back at the road and I thought, did I see that? So I looked back again. This thing is running, chasing the car like a dog would chase a car. You know, it's probably. 50, 60 yards up the hill from where I'm at, but I could see this thing running. I could see, you know, the arm and legs that go back. You could definitely tell it was running. And so at that point, I just hit the gas and, and sped way too fast on this road and hoped that it wasn't faster than my car could go. <laughs> so forgot about that
3: one. Oh, no, I'm glad you remembered it and shared it with us. Most people would say no, Kelly, but do you think having Sasquatch around your property is beneficial because of the excitement that comes along with that, or a hindrance?
0: I would probably have to say that it's, I respect the fact that this is the territory that he's decided to claim, and this is his home, I respect that, but the fact that we never see deer on our property, that we used to have a lot of rabbits, the rabbits are gone, Um, We still have a lot of squirrel and unfortunately rats, but the deer just avoid our property like crazy now. They won't come down to the apple trees. They won't come down to the garden. They're just gone. You go two miles up the road and there are 30 or 40 of them in a field grazing, but they won't come on our property anymore. And I love watching deer. You know, my husband loves hunting. So that's been a little bit of a detriment, but at the same time, there is a cool factor of you know, hey, I've got a sasquatch. I'm still not interested in habituating because you know I think that any creature that that lives in the wild they've adapted to be able to you know fend for themselves, and you know they're very large and apparently well fed, so I don't think that they you know need table scraps or apples and stuff from from me, and I also wouldn't want to encourage them to you know come closer to the house or anything like that because You know, if they do get mad, they can do a lot of damage.
3: (laughs) They sure can. And as you said, they definitely don't need our help. Well, Kelly, it's about time for us to get out of here. I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing all those experiences with us. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And honestly, it's one of those things where if I was listening to somebody else and they came off with that many experiences, I'd be going, okay, this person is just out of their gourd and they're just making this stuff up, but that's not who I am. Honestly, I've tried every way I could to convince myself that I didn't see what I saw, that it was something else, that I saw a person, that I saw a bear, that, you know, that it was just a tree stump. But, you know, when they're blinking at you and making noises at you and running alongside your car, it's kind of hard. And especially the one that ran straight at me, it's kind of hard to you know, go, okay, that was just my imagination, because it wasn't. I just keep hoping that I'll wake up, and it'll all be a dream, and I'll go, oh, that was really fun, and, you know, no Sasquatches running at me anymore.
3: Well, sometimes even things that are very hard to believe happen time and time again, so yeah, as long as it's the truth, which I most definitely do believe it is, that's all that matters. But having said that, Kelly, thanks again so much for your time. Have a great night.
2: That's it for another episode of Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio with Vic Cundiff. If you've had a Sasquatch encounter and would like to be a guest on the show, please go to BigfootEyeWitness.com and submit a report. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.